Many people believe that ancient prophecies indicate that change is coming. Big change. Predictions vary widely about what will happen. They range from total, all-out apocalypse to some kind of quantum shift in human awareness and consciousness. Yet they all agree that big change is coming for planet Earth and the human race. And they all appear to focus on one specific year, 2012. And in some cases, even one specific day, December 21st, 2012. Their conclusion, after gathering all the prophetic material, is simple. All the ancient sources agree the world will end in 2012. After all, they say, it can't be sheer coincidence that so many primitive diviners, psychics, and astrologers agree. The bottom line is clear. Never before have so many people from diverse backgrounds and viewpoints pinpointed one day as the expiration date for human civilization. Mark Hitchcock, 2012, The Bible and the End of the World. Breaking Unbelief, the podcast that challenges your mind. Welcome to the Breaking Unbelief podcast. This is Nick Daniels. And I'm Tim Chafee. If you're a movie fan or have watched any amount of TV over the past few weeks, you've probably seen previews for a new movie coming out called 2012. You could look online and there's an abundance of websites dedicated to this latest craze. What's all this about 2012? Should a Christian be concerned about it? Does the Bible say anything about it? How should we respond? Our guest today will help us sort through these questions and many more. Mark Hitchcock is the author of a new book entitled 2012, The Bible, and the End of the World. Mark is also a pastor and has written many other books, such as The Late Great United States and Cashless. Mark, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, Mark, there's a growing amount of hype over the year 2012, and you can see that there are dozens of books bearing the title and even a major Hollywood movie now. What's the big deal about 2012? Well, you know, the whole the, the movie that's coming out, it's the most expensive movie that's ever been made. And that's staggering to think about that. It's $200 million. You know, Woody Harrelson's in it and John Cusack and, and uh, Danny Glover. I mean, you know, it's got an all-star cast. And, uh, you know, this is all tapping in, I think, to this the, the innate interest that people have in the future. You know, people want to know what's going to happen to this world. And, you know, people have set dates for... You know, hundreds of years, you know, different dates have come and gone that people have said. And I think, you know, this is really gaining traction because you've got the whole Mayan calendar that I know we'll talk about later that's kind of the really the genesis or the source of all of this. But I think a lot of it, too, is gaining traction. You know, there's just a lot of fear out there. There are people who are afraid because of the economy and because of nuclear weapons and pandemic plagues and all these kinds of things. I think when you couple that together with this whole, you know, 2012, you know, this galactic alignment that's going to take place on that date, and just the innate curiosity that people have, I think this is really tapping into something here that, unfortunately, I think is going to probably gain more and more traction as time goes along. Well, but is this just part of a fringe movement, or has it gone mainstream? Are there any any big names promoting this stuff? Well, there there are a few big names. I mean, they may not be you know names that everyone uh, would would know. It's interesting. This guy Richard Henney, you know, the the balloon boy hoax. You know, mm-hmm. his uh, he did that hoax supposedly to get money because he believes in this 2012 idea. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now I'm not sure he's a real good advertisement for that uh, himself. <laughs> right. 
being, uh, you know, not maybe the most stable fellow around. But, you know, it, it's kind of the 2012 phenomenon. What was really a fringe movement for a long time, it really started back uh, in 1987 with uh, Jose Arguelles, you know, the harmonic convergence, and that kind of started the 25-year countdown to this. But all of a sudden, you know, with this movie and with the date getting closer and all the books that are out there and, you know, you can get on the Internet and put on 2000, put in 2012 into the world in Google. I think the last time I did it, it was like, like 18 million hits or something oh. like that. I mean, it's just flooding uh, the Internet, all kinds of things out there. So it really, I think, in the last few months has moved from kind of the fringe to the mainstream and probably will stay there. Uh, really for the next three years up until, you know, this big date comes and goes on December 21st of 2012. Right. And you just mentioned that December 21st, 2012, that's the, that is the big date. And it just happens to be my birthday. So am I going to have a, am I going to have a bad day on that day or is it going to be a good day? You know, this, uh, the date comes from the Mayan calendar. Who were, who are the Mayans and, and why is their calendar so important? Well, the Mayans were a, a group of people who lived down in what today is like the Yucatan Peninsula, if anyone's ever been to Cancun, kind of out in that area that juts out there in, in Mexico, and also down into Guatemala. They lived from about 1500 B.C. to 1500 A.D., and uh, they, they were people who were obsessed with time. They had 20 calendars. Uh, three main ones, but they have one called a long count calendar, and the Mayans saw time in cycles. So they saw five periods or cycles of time that reach 5,125 years long. And four of those, according to their mythology, have come and gone. And each of those, some people would say, ended with some great cataclysm, although that's certainly debatable. But the last one started, according to their chronology, on August 11th of 3,114 B.C., and then extends to December 21st, 2012. So that's where this time comes from. And they also know, and, and this is an, actually an astronomical fact, that the Earth and the uh, Sun will be aligned with the center of our Milky Way galaxy for the first time uh, in, according to them and other scientists, the first time in 26,000 years. So the Mayans knew an incredible amount about calendars and about astronomy. And they, they saw this stuff and knew this stuff without uh, telescopes, without computers, um, it's really stunning what they knew. And so because of that, a lot of people say, well, if the Mayans knew all this about time and astronomy, then the fact that their calendar ends on that date is really significant. You know, and it must mean that something incredible is going to happen, like the end of the world or something. Now, of course, my view is the Mayans did know a lot about astronomy. They did know a lot about time, but they didn't know the future. Um, only God knows the future. Right. And, and in your section about the Mayans, you include several dates that would, would contradict the biblical timeline. Uh, for example, you just mentioned the uh, every 26,000 years such and such a thing would happen. Um, and you talk about the Mayan pyramids dating back to you know, 2750 B.C. That would seem to be uh, counter to what the Bible teaches. How would you uh, respond to that? Yeah, that's a good point, because in my book, as I was writing the book, I went back and forth on whether to comment on that. You know, I say, you know, this galactic alignment, it'll be the first time it happens in 26,000 years. What I was doing bas doing is just basically saying, this is what they say. Um, you know, this is what these folks say. And I was kind of just interacting with them on their own their own ground, as it were, their own material. Because, 
you know, if you get in a book like the book I've written on 2012 and the Bible and all that, too much into creation, I thought about it later. I probably could, should have put a footnote in there, you know, in the back and just say, you know, hey, I, you know, I believe in a younger earth. So, but uh, I do believe in a young, young earth. Now, how old the earth is, uh, you know, if you take just the direct chronology in the Bible, you, you get back pretty close to Bishop Usher's date, you know, 4004 B.C. Mm-hmm. There could be a little bit of wiggle room, depending on one's view, in those genealogies in, in Genesis 5 and Genesis 11. But, you know, you're talking there about probably gaps of hundreds of years in there, maybe a few thousand years. So my view would be that the earth is not 26,000 years old. So the idea of this galactic alignment not happening for 26,000 years is uh, actually a misnomer. It's, a, it's a, a wrong view they have of creation. The idea of the pyramids, that's pretty close, you know, because if you push creation back a little before 4000 B.C., then it could be pyramids built around 26, 2700. As it is, they're probably built uh, around, you know, 2300. Because if you take Usher's chronology, you have basically the flood happening in 2350 B.C., basically mm-hmm. about when it takes place. So if you pushed it back a little bit, the time of the pyramids and all that could fit. But I don't think the 26,000-year period, under my view of a younger Earth, uh, would fit. Okay, well, um, but you would still say this this galactic alignment is on December 21st, 2012. Is that accurate? Even though we don't, it, it, you it wouldn't say it happened in the past. Yeah, that's right. It seems to be. Now, how long, you know, it's been since it happened, if it ever happened before, or if this is the first time. Uh, you know, when you look on the, Na- the website at NASA and other places, they seem to say, you know, there will be this alignment of the Earth and the Sun, you know, with the, the, the center of uh, the galactic center, you know, of the equator and uh, or of the uh, galaxy. So, yeah, however, you know, however long it's been, that is going to happen, which that gives C a lot more credence to all this because people that believe in this Mayan calendar theory, they can say, well, look, there is actually something astronomical that is going to take place. And so they think that bolsters their view. Now, when you really talk to scientists about this, they don't think, you know, the fact that the energy from the center of the Milky Way is going to be cut off temporarily by the sun to the Earth is going to cause any of these big things that people are saying. But, you know, again, if you want to believe this, you kind of can make up some pseudoscience that goes along with it to kind of, you know, can can bolster your view if that's what you want to believe. Right. So let's talk about December 21st, 2012. What's supposed to happen that day? Well, there will be four shopping days left till Christmas. <laughs> uh, we know that. Uh, according to these, uh, to the 2012 ologists, though, who the people who hold this view, there, there's a wide spectrum of things. They'll, and I'll just mention them real quickly. One is they say the poles on the Earth are going to shift, which is going to cause, they say, you know, super volcanoes to go off, massive earthquakes, basically the end of the world. I mean, that's the thesis in this 2012 movie that's coming out. Some say that the Earth is going to get hit by Planet X, this 10th planet in our solar system uh, that comes near the Earth every 3,600 years. They say it's either going to get really close or hit the Earth. Others say, and this, this one actually may be true, that 2012 may be a very active year for solar flares, which could cause some problems with satellites and with the electrical grid. Um, the last really active year of solar flares was the late 50s, uh, when we didn't have uh, the satellites and all that we have now. So even NASA scientists are saying, look, this could be a very active solar sunspot cycle, which could cause some things. But it's not going to cause the end of the world, and it's not related to this galactic alignment either. 
Um, others say, no, this isn't going to be the end of the world. It's going to be a new beginning. This is going to be a time of a, of a global transformation of human consciousness, you know, kind of a, a new age of Aquarius, very new age type ideas. So it goes from we're going to have a new golden age to, you know, we're going to have the destruction of the world as we know it. There's all kinds of different views uh, really out there about what's going to take place. So it seems these people can agree whether 2012 will bring disaster or a new golden age, or both? Why is there so much disagreement about it? Well, I think to me that's one of the inherent weaknesses of this whole viewpoint. If something is, is that set, you know, that we're going to have this huge cataclysm on December 21st, 2012, you have people saying everything from this is the end of the world to no, this is the new beginning and the beginning of a great new utopia. So to me, the, the vast swing of the pendulum on these different views that are out there To me, that's one of the inherent weaknesses in this whole 2012 viewpoint. You've talked about how this, you know, the signs from from NASA and everything seem to point toward this, and and there are other people who draw support from Nostradamus. You mentioned the History Channel in your book and how they ran a program about Nostradamus allegedly predicting disaster in 2012. Um, but you know, we know that the History Channel sometimes does things just for ratings. Uh, is this something that Nostradamus really did, or are they just making this thing up? Well, I think they're making it up. Uh, you know, to me, when you read Nostradamus, it's fascinating. You know, he, he wrote in what's called quatrains, these little four-line uh, statements. There's, you know, alleged prophecies. Uh, they're so general and vague. I mean, I have a lot of them in my book. You know, people can read them. I mean, they would apply to lots of different situations. You know, when you think about the difference between that and the prophecies in the Bible, you know, the Bible says the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. You know, there were actually two Bethlehems. And the Bible says it's the Bethlehem down in Judea. It's Bethlehem, Ephrathah. You know, the Bible's specific. Um, you know, there's an old saying that even a clock that doesn't work is right twice a day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can make some prophecies and a few things fit. But the, the problem with Nostradamus is even the alleged prophecies that he gives that are more specific um, didn't happen. For instance, he gives. He said on the seventh month of 1999, there would be great, the, the great, uh, the great terror that would appear in the sky. The king of terror and the king of the Mongols would come forth, and all of this. Well, you know, in in uh, July of 1999, nothing like that happened. So he was wrong about that. Um, the other thing is Nostradamus used occultic methods to come up with his alleged prophecies. He used a method called scrying, where you look in water. You look in pools of water and mirrors or glass, like crystal balls. And so that's an occultic method that's forbidden by the scriptures. So we know immediately that his uh, methodology is occultic. So I don't put any stock in Nostradamus at all. There's a book called The Lost Book of Nostradamus that has all these pictures in it, which is really where they get the idea that he predicted 2012. But you look at those pictures and you could make them mean almost anything. You know, they'll say, well, this means this and this means this and this means this. So look, it points to 2012. Well, if any one of their subjective conclusions that they're making are wrong, then the whole thing falls like a house of cards. So hmm. um, it, it's, a, it's really, to me, a, a very specious argument that's made, and I, I don't put any stock in Nostradamus at all. Well, some 2012ers also claim that the Bible is supporting their view. I think they say that the Bible codes talk about 2012. Can you explain what the Bible codes are and whether we should trust these findings? Yeah, the Bible codes, you know, the problem with Bible codes is, you know, what they do is they lay out the Bible, you know, all the text of the Hebrew Bible. 
and they do what's called equidistant letter sequencing, where they take a letter and then maybe skip 15 uh, letters and find a, the second letter of the word and then skip 15 and find the other one. But these equidistant sequencings can be up to 500 letters. So, I mean, they can be huge gaps, and they can do it forwards, backwards, diagonally, you know, vertically, any direction. And the problem with that is there are several problems with, with Bible codes from my perspective. One is you can do the same thing with Moby Dick or with War and Peace or with other books. So it's not unique to the Bible. Another thing is Jesus never told us to look for Bible codes. Neither did the apostles, neither do any of the prophets. I mean, we're told to read what the Bible says on the surface of it and to understand and to obey that. Uh, the, another problem with Bible codes is actually the original Bible code book by Michael Drosnan predicted that in 2006 there would be Armageddon. There would be a great nuclear holocaust. Well, again, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But then he says, well, in his book Bible Code 2, he says, well, the words 2012 Earth annihilated you know, appear in these Bible codes. Well, but he was already wrong about 2006. So why should we believe uh, what he says about 2012? To me, again... Once you're wrong about something, it's just like with Nostradamus and others, then you've been proven to be a false prophet, and I don't think we should put any credence in that. Right, and and I think we would all agree that God is certainly capable of doing something like a Bible code, but it doesn't seem like he would, because in Isaiah 41 through 46, when he God sort of says, I'm going to prove to you that I'm God, and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you the future before it ever happens, and he even names King Cyrus. Persian king who would send the Jews back. Uh, It's not in code. It's right there out in the open for everybody to check. Well, yeah, and the other problem would be there was no way to do this before we had computers. So Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everybody who lived before computers, you know, didn't know all this, quote, secret information, you know, that we can know today. Right. uh, You know, again, it's it's right there for people to read. The problem for most of us isn't that we need to know more about secret codes and all that. We need to know more about what the Bible says on the surface and do that. (laughs) I think that's the problem most of us have. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Now, uh, you also mentioned something in your book called the WebBot Project, and that some people claim the supercomputer com- program predicts something terrible for 2012. I'd never heard of it, but it sounds like a pretty neat program. Uh, is there? Can you explain this for us? And then, is there any validity to these claims? Yeah, the WebBot Project. I'd never heard about it before I started studying this either. I'm not a, a very a- a apt guy with computers, but the WebBot stands for Web Robots. They send these things called crawlers or spiders out there all through the internet. And what these, what they do, and I have no idea how you do this. I'm pretty challenged technologically, but they go out and they search for things and they they attach themselves to different things that they're looking for and join them to other things that are similar. So supposedly what they can do is find what's out there on the web and almost find what they call the pre-conscious. They can find things that are trends. And this was originally done for economic uh, trending or looking at economic data and looking ahead to see where are things headed, you know, economically so people could, you know, make money or make uh, uh, decisions over their businesses. But they started finding as they did this that they could find other information. And one of the things they say is, uh, when they send these web bots out there, these robots, they keep finding all of these messages tied to 2012 as being some you know, very important, very momentous year. And so followers of 2012 say, well, here's another proof. You know, they use Bible codes. They use Nostradamus. They use all this. They say, hey, even computers you know, are looking to 2012 as being this year of great significance. Again, a couple of problems that is. One is 
you know, if, if the web bot thing was really that accurate, all the guys who are doing that would all be billionaires because they could all be making all their money off the stock market. <laughs> you know, they wouldn't have, uh, they would have been able to predict what happened a year ago as well. So obviously it's not that accurate. But the second thing is the web bot is only as accurate as the information that's out there on the internet. And the information hmm. on the internet was put there by people. So we all know there's lots of information out there on the internet that's incorrect. So it's going out and gathering all this information that people have put there, but it's only as accurate as the information that is there. And so to me, that is a very unreliable source, the Internet and all the information out there to go grab information to try to somehow find out the preconscious or what's going to take place. And I mean, after all, you know, a computer is only as good as the people putting the information in. People don't know the future. So right. obviously the computer can't know the future either. Right, it's that uh, that old saying, "Garbage in and garbage out." Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's uh, you know, who who would want to base uh, their beliefs on what's going to happen tomorrow or in the future on the information out there on the internet? I don't think very many people would want to do that. Right, and and setting a date for the end of the world is nothing new. Many groups have done it before, including some Christians who have fallen for this. What do you think is wrong to say set dates? And does the Bible say anything about this? Well, yes, it does, you know, and, and you can just look at history and see the sad uh, record of those who've set dates. You know, you've got, you know, back in the year 1000, you know, it was a big date for a lot of people, January the 1st of the year uh, 1000. Uh, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses have actually set dates numerous times for the end of the world. William Miller, you know, in the 1843 and 44, the Great Disappointment. Edgar Wisenant did it in 88. You know, he had 88 reasons why Christ is coming back in 88. Harold Camping set a date in 94 that didn't come to pass. Now he's got one in 2011. I mean, on and on we could go. But the Bible is clear. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, but the Father alone. And before he went back to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, you know, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. We can't know the time. And in spite of that explicit warning, people, even many Christians, have continued to dabble in this whole idea of date setting. And when you claim to know the date for the second coming of Christ or the end of the world, you're claiming to know something that Jesus says only the Father knows, and that Jesus, at least during the time of his incarnation, didn't even know, which to me really is the height of arrogance, really, to say that. Well, Jesus said that uh, nobody knows the day or the hour, and they'll say, well, yeah, but we can know the year. Or we, yeah, that's you know, right. Um, now, yeah, your but book... the phrase day and hour is a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an idiom for time. You, know, you don't right. know the time. Because in chapter mm-hmm. 1, he says, you know, it's not for you to know times and seasons. You know, he, he, all of those are just statements of you can't know the time, is what he's saying. Exactly. Now, your book is set up in such a way where the first, you know, roughly two-thirds of the book deal with this issue of 2012 and uh, talking about what these people are saying about it and, uh, you know, some of the disagreements. And then the last roughly one-third of the book deals with what the Bible says and how how you believe in Bible prophecy. And in there, you advocate a view that not every Christian advocates. And some of our listeners may not agree with your particular view of of the end times. Could someone who disagrees with you still find value in the in the in the book as a whole, and also in this section of the book. Well, yeah, I hope they could, you know, because my, you know, I'm a, I'm a premillennialist, I'm pre-trib, um, but my my point in writing the book was not to make that a, a huge issue for people, but, you know, I wanted to write and debunk this whole 2012 idea, 
But I thought, you know, I can debunk the whole 2012 idea, but if people are out there who maybe are Christians and don't know very much about this, or especially people who aren't Christians, they're going to be asking the question I know when I get finished debunking all this, well, does anybody know the future? You know, what does the future hold? If 2012 isn't, you know, valid, then what does the future say? Or what, is, what, what does the Bible say? And I actually have a, a brief chapter in there, and you, I'm sure you noticed that, almost an apologetic for the Bible, that the Bible can tell the future. Because, you know, you can say, well, the minds don't know the future, and then you can say, well, the Bible tells the future, and someone could say, well, why should I believe the Bible? And mm-hmm. there, you know, the Bible has 500 prophecies that have already come true, that it's, it's predicted. And so we can put the Bible to the test. I mean, it's got a verifiable track record. But then I wanted to lay out for people what I believe uh, the future holds. And the non-negotiables, really, for a person, if you're a, an, an Orthodox Christian, is you have to believe there is a, a coming, a visible, physical coming of Christ, that mm-hmm. there is a final resurrection, and there's a final judgment. Those are really the non-negotiables for uh, to be an Orthodox Christian of what the Bible teaches. Now, beyond that, there's a lot of different viewpoints that people have, um, but I lay mine out just so someone who's reading the book can say, okay, this is one viewpoint that people have about what's going to take place uh, in the future. But I think people, you know, whatever their view of the end times, they would certainly find the first two-thirds of the book interesting. And even in the last part, you know, I have a, con- I have a comparison there between what the 2012 people say kind of their counterfeit eschatology or view of the end times and the biblical eschatology. I think people would find that very helpful because this whole 2012 viewpoint is what we might call the eschatology or the end time view of the New Age movement. So I think it's important for people to see what does the New Age movement believe about the future and how things are going to end up, and how can we as Christians, how do we see that differently? So I hope it would help people and people wouldn't just write it off because of you know, that last part of the book where I discussed that. Well, now that you speak about it, the New Age movement, it's very interesting that some people in the New Age uh, promote something that sounds like the rapture. One of the leaders of the 2012 movement, Jose Arguelles, believes that he's expecting a mass disappearance of people all over the world. Why would people who don't believe the Bible teach something like this? Well, that is fascinating. I mean, to me, one of the most interesting things in all of my research on this was the New Age background to it. I mean, it's filled with New Age. You know, when we see the New Age movement, I mean, people say, what is the New Age movement? New Age basically is that man is his own savior, that the goal is to come and get in touch with your higher self. That is the the goal of life. And, you know, Oprah and, you know, Eckhart Tolle and others, this is being promoted out there. And the New Age movement, the 2012, they're huge into this idea. And Jose Arguelles predicted, he said that one of these days, those who, who are not spiritually enlightened enough are going to disappear from the earth. They're going to be taken away from the earth in silver ships. When I read that, I thought, man, that's amazing, you know, that they think people that aren't enlightened enough are going to be taken out of the world. And I immediately thought to myself, someday when the rapture happens, you know, whatever your view on the timing of it, we all agree the Lord's going to come back someday and the dead in Christ will rise and we'll be caught up with him. That could be how they explain it. They'll say, look, these were just all the spiritually enlightened people, you know, that got caught up in this. And it was fascinating to me as well on the 2012, for the movie 2012, the movie poster, Right across the top of the poster are the words, who will be left behind? And I think to me that has to be a clear allusion to the whole left behind idea, you know, left behind theology. So Mm -hmm. they seem to make a lot of allusions to things that are in the Bible. And again, you know, Satan is the great counterfeiter. He's the great imitator. 
and I see a lot of counterfeiting and a lot of imitating with the whole 2012 idea with with what the Bible actually says. And I think, to me, that's fascinating. And it to me, it helps bolster what I think the Bible says, because Satan always tries to counterfeit the truth. Yeah, that's it's very interesting that you guys brought this up, uh, the, that some of the New Age groups promote something like the rapture, because uh, th- that's not the only place it shows up. Uh, some of the uh, UFO cults, uh, people who believe they've been abducted by aliens, that kind of stuff, there's some teaching in those groups that sound like the rapture as well. And so it does seem like, uh, as you said, Satan is, is counterfeiting this to make up an explanation as to what really happened to people. That's right. I mean, the whole hail bop, you know, comet thing. I mean, that was mm-hmm. kind of just a small cultish group, but still it was this, you know, comet where this thing was going to come close, you know, and take them away, you know. And yeah, it just, it is interesting, interesting when you look at this, you know, because the 2012 people predict a great time of cataclysm that's coming. Well, you know, I believe a tribulation's coming, and they predict this great, you know, utopia on Earth, this, you know, time of global transformation. And I think there's going to be a time like that called the millennium. So a lot of counterfeiting of these. These biblical truths, I think, which is, of course, Satan's master work really is to be a counterfeiter and a deceiver. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, how should a Christian respond to all of this hype? You know, oftentimes when something like this comes up, uh, we see extreme reactions from Christians. Uh, some, some of them will completely ignore the subject and they act like nothing's happening. And that really kind of puts them out of touch with the culture and makes them less effective in dealing with where people are at. And other Christians sometimes buy into the hype, and they get all caught up in the latest craze. What do you think the proper Christian response should be? Well, I I agree with what you've said. I mean, I think that there's two extremes. One is you get caught up in the hype like Y2K or even like the, you know, the Dan Brown, the Da Vinci Code stuff. You know, some Mm -hmm. people even begin to wonder if it's true, you know, some even professing Christians. Um, The other thing is just to say, oh, this is a bunch of nonsense, which a lot of it is. But it's nonsense that people are buying into, and I think mm-hmm. our job as as believers here in this world is to take things that are out there in the popular culture, things that people are thinking about and, and considering, and bend the trajectory of those things to God's purposes, and seize this as an opportunity and use it as a platform. I mean, I was talking to a lady the other day, sent me, she sent me an email, and she'd heard me on a radio program, and she said she felt like it was really providential she'd heard me, because she went out to this group where there was a bunch of, of kids, and she went out there to hand out gospel tracts in a park by her house that she does. said every kid there was talking to her, saying, we don't care about that, 2012's coming, and the world's going to end. Hmm. And she was able to, because she just listened, she said, I just listened to the program. She said, I was telling Noah it didn't get in, and she, you know, they just talked about Nostradamus and, you know, some of these different things, and so I think if we're armed as believers, you know, we don't have to be experts in this stuff, but, you know, know enough about it to where we can give a few arguments, a few statements, and then tell people, you know, have you ever considered the Bible? Now, the Bible really does tell the future, because it's mm-hmm. done it hundreds of times in the past that we can verify, so we know that whatever it says about the future will really take place. And we can use that, I think, as a bridge then to take people to the Bible and expose them to the truth. And of course, the ultimate truth, which is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Mark, thank you so much for that information. I think uh, Christians should be aware of uh, what's happening and how to respond to people who believe in, in the 2012 hype. And why don't you tell us uh, how can we find out more information about it and how to get hold of your book? Well, the book is available uh, pretty much like Amazon. You know, it's Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, those places. Uh, Christian bookstores uh, have it. Pretty much all of them should. 
Uh, I have a website. It's marklhitchcock.com. I actually have a couple of messages I gave on this topic at our church on Sunday nights. If people would like to go listen to that, and they can you know, see the website, and there's a place there to, to go to do a buy-through to get the book there as, as well if they'd like to. Well, you know, Tim, I recently watched a clip online from the 2012 movie, and it has some very cool special effects, I might say. But other than entertaining, this is just a lot of worthless hype that I think Christians shouldn't worry about. Saying that, though, I think it's important to be aware of the issues and be prepared to respond to those who ask questions about this and, of course, pointing to the Bible. What do you think? Well, I agree. I think Mark's story about the woman who had just heard his uh, radio interview and she was going out to witness to people with, with gospel tracts and they said, no, we don't want any of that. 2012 is coming. The world's going to end anyways. And and here she was able to refute some of their claims and and then she was able to be uh, more effective in, in trying to reach out to these people. I, I think it's a great example of how Christians should be informed, uh, even though we don't need to get caught up in all the hype and uh, certainly we should not ignore uh, what so many people in the world are are buying into, we should we should be informed and, and try to reach them. Uh, some of the other things that I, I thought were neat, uh, reading this book and listening to Mark talk about it, uh, he he had a lot of information about the Mayans, and uh, they they had quite an an advanced culture. And uh, usually, when the the 2012 proponents talk about uh, the Mayans, they they talk about them from an evolutionary perspective. But uh, the fact that these people were so advanced in terms of uh, timekeeping and some of their arch- architectural feats, uh, it really seemed to line up with what the Bible talks. Ancient man was very intelligent, and uh, these, these Mayan pyramids, as well as some of the other pyramids from all over the world, uh, seemed to support the biblical account of the dispersion at the time of the Tower of Babel, that people just uh, took what they knew from there, their religious belief and, and their cultural beliefs, and they spread throughout the world and, and kind of tried to duplicate what they had done there. Uh, but it's also important to realize that, um, you know, Mark talked a lot about Bible prophecy, and I think it's important uh, from an, an apologetic perspective to realize that this can be very effective. Uh, I know that uh, in the past, a lot of apologists pointed to Bible prophecy, but it's in the last 20 years or so, that's kind of fallen by the wayside, and they, they shy away from doing it. But, you know, in Isaiah 41 through 45, this is the approach the approach that God takes. Uh, he says that he's going to prove his existence, and he does it by by using prophecy, and he gives some very detailed predictions, including uh, he gives the name of King Cyrus as the guy who would send the Israelites back to their land after their exile. And he did this like 100 years before Cyrus was ever born. In his book, and actually in the interview too, Mark talked about how uh, there have been over 500 fulfilled predictions from the Bible. And in his book, he had a chapter called, uh, Can Anyone Know the Future? And in that chapter, he showed some very specific prophecies that were made in the Old Testament, how they've already been fulfilled exactly as foretold. So we can have confidence that the predictions that are about the future uh, will come to pass just as they've been foretold as well. So I think there's a lot of value in using prophecy and apologetics rather than neglecting it like a lot of people have. Exactly. And for our next episode, we will talk to Bob Hostetler. He's an award-winning apologist and author who has also written many books with uh, Josh McDowell. And Bob will be talking about his recent novel, The Bone Box. So this is Breaking and Belief.org for more information and be sure to join our Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.